With Hashem's assistance, we are learning Gittin Dafman Beis, page 42. We begin at the top. Amar Rabba, Rabba says like this, The argument between Rabbi and the Rabbanon, whether or not it's possible to free half of your slave, is talking about where you freed half and the other half you didn't do anything to. Let's say half of him you freed and the other half you either sold or gave over as a present. So since he's completely going out of the possession of the master, so everyone agrees that indeed he can be Kona half of him. Amrle Abaya said like this, Is it true that they do not argue where he's totally going out? That we have one b'raisa. If someone writes over his possessions to two, to two different slaves, kanu. so they indeed are able to acquire all of the possessions, including themselves. And each one has acquired half of himself and half of the other guy, and therefore they free the other half. So there you see that you can indeed give over half of a person as long as it's going out of it completely. We have another b'raisa that says that it's not true that you can't do that. A person who says that all of my all of my possessions should go over to my two slaves, they don't even acquire themselves. Here we see the exact opposite. That in fact he's giving over them, he's giving over to the slaves all of his possessions. Nevertheless, or that's what it seems to be the case is. Nevertheless, they don't acquire it. So the Gemara says, "My love, how Rebbe and maybe this is Rebbe and this is the Rabbanon." Meaning they argue about this case. So we say, no, both of these cases are the Rabbanon. When does it completely go out? That's if you said all of them, meaning it, they're, they're acquiring all of the possessions. But the case, the second in Brisa, where it says, that indeed they do not acquire all the possessions, it's talking about where he said, chatzi, chatzi. he said, to each one, you get half. And the other one, he said, also, you get half. And since he said, each one, half, and he didn't specify which half, it's possible that he meant the same half, or it could be that there's an overlap, and the master did not give over all of the possessions to both of them. Therefore, neither of them get anything. Behold, we said in the, in the end, So what does it say at the end of that second verse? It says, if he said to them half-half, so then they don't acquire. So we can deduce that, in fact, in the ratio, not like we said, we just said that the first case in the second Bryce is talking about where he, he was splitting it up. But we see that that's the second case in that Bryce. So we can deduce that the first case is talking about where indeed freed them completely. And therefore, we can again prove that they are arguing by that case. So where it says, no, perushikam afarish, so we're explaining this that we said. We're saying a different explanation. The, the second Brisa indeed is talking about from the beginning to the end the same exact case, which is he said, that I'm going to give over half. And we're explaining with the second half the first half. This that we said that they are not even going to themselves. Kate said, what's the case? That he said to them, I'm giving each of you half. This indeed makes sense. We can we can actually deduce this the because if it's indeed true that the first half is where he said that he's giving him over completely each one of them he said to them all of it if it's true we already know that you, they don't acquire themselves when he says kula when he says all of you do we need to say a chiddush? Do we need to say is it any novelty the fact that he said to them half of course obviously if they don't get it completely then they don't get it at all when they're talking about half either. So the Gemara says, So the Gemara says, That's not a good enough proof. Because why? Because it could be that the first case is talking about Kulo. And the second case is talking about Chatsi Chatsi. And nevertheless, we still need to say both cases, even though the second case is not a novelty. Why? Because we need the second case to reveal for us what we meant in the first case. that You shouldn't say, The first case is talking about where you just said that uh, you want to do half-half. That you shouldn't make a mistake and think 
that in the case where you said all of it, they do indeed acquire them. The, they acquire themselves and they acquire all of the nechassim. So that's why we said the second half to say, we're talking about a case of half-half, and therefore we can deduce that the first case is talking about kulo as well. It's even telling you that even in that case, both cases, that they don't acquire themselves and they don't acquire all the nechassim. But in fact, so that's, we're just showing that it's not a good proof from the Bryce itself. You can't prove that the whole Bryce is talking about the case of Chatsi Chatsi. But indeed, we are saying, in order that uh, we shouldn't have any problems, we shouldn't have any issues, that we shouldn't have them also arguing by a case that Rabbi says that they don't argue, that indeed the, se- the second Bryce is talking about from beginning to end, half-half. Now the Gemara says another ex- explanation. The first explanation is that the first Bryce is talking about where we said Kulo, he's talking about the entire thing. The second Bryce is talking about where we said half-half. That was the first explanation. Now, V'iba Yisema Lekasha. Another explanation is like this. It's not a problem between the two Bryce's. Kan Bishtar Echad, Kan Bishnei It depends if we're talking about one document or two documents. If there's one document, so Rashi explains that we connect La-La to Isha, just like a woman, you can't divorce two women with the same document. So too, when it comes to a, an avid, to a slave, you also can't, div- you can't free two slaves with the same document. So if you did it with one document, that's the case where we said that indeed they don't go out. Kamish but when we said that you, when when we said that they do indeed go out, it's talking about two separate documents. Bishtar echad ma'iria. If the case is that you gave over it, it with one document, and that's the reason why, in fact, they're not going out free, so then what do we have to talk about in the second half of that b'risa? About a half-half case. Even if you said completely, it also hasn't, they don't acquire themselves either. So the Gemara answers, That's really what it's saying. That they don't even acquire themselves in a case where you said, What's the case where you give them over with one document? So if you gave it over with two documents, indeed, they do acquire themselves. But if they said, If the Master said, I'm giving over each to each of you half, Then even with two different documents, they don't acquire themselves. So basically, according to this version of the second Brisa, so we have two different reasons why the slaves wouldn't, wouldn't acquire themselves, either because of the fact that it was given over in one document, or even with two documents, if you gave over to each of them half. Or I'll tell you another option, it's not a problem between the two Bryce's. It depends when do we say that indeed it's no good if you gave it over one after the other. When is it indeed good when you gave it over at the same exact moment? So says, wait, in the case where we said that it's no good, it's why? Because you gave it over one after the other. We understand why the second guy didn't get anything, because the first guy already got everything. So the first guy should acquire himself, if the case is where he gave it over one after the other, should get himself and his friend. So this third explanation is certainly not a good explanation, and therefore this proves like one of the first two explanations. Now Ravashi gives another explanation. Ravashi Amar Shani Lehu Avodai. Ravashi says that in the second case, in the second Bryce, the reason why they don't go out free is because he refers to them as his slaves. Since he's still referring to them as his slaves, it's clear that he does not mean to free them at all. Maybe he means to my my slaves, meaning those who were my slaves. Me like Tanan, don't we have in the Mishnah? Someone who writes all of his possessions to his slave, Yatzlacheris. So he goes out free, even though he's referring to him as his slave. She or Kaka Kosher, if he leaves over any kind of any kind of ground, any kind of uh, land, Loyatzlacheris, then he doesn't go out free. Rabbi Shimon, I mean, Rabbi Shimon says, He's freed, He's free until he says, All of my possessions are given over to my, to my 
Evet, to my slave. Except for one ten thousandth, because in that case, so there he's saying he's saying that uh, I mean to exclude the the slave himself. It's only because he said one ten thousandth. But if he didn't say that, everyone would agree that he indeed is Kani. He does indeed get himself, and he gets all of you know, all of the property. We see he's referring to his slave as a slave. And despite that, Ravashi, how can you tell me that if he refers to his slave as a slave, therefore he doesn't go out free? Here we see that he does go out free. Because the reason is, why does he go out free? Because he's saying, this man who used to be a slave. So here too, over here, it should mean my slaves that were previously slaves. So therefore, Ravashi's understanding is not a good understanding. Now the Gemara gives another case, brand new case, talking about a guy who is half slave, half freed. Let's say an ox gores him. If the goring happened on a day where he was serving his master, so the money goes to the master. But if it was on the day that he was free, meaning he splits up the days, so if it's on the days that he's free, so the money goes to him. So if he wants to on a day when he's enslaved, so he should be able to marry a maidservant, and when he's on a day that he's free, he should be able to marry a regular Jewish woman. So the Gemara says, We're not saying this in regards to any kind of prohibitions. We're only saying this in regards to mammon, in regards to money matters. Tashema, we have a b'raiso. If, let's say, a shore, an ox, gored through and killed a man who is half-slave and half-freed. So he gives half of the knas, of the money, goes to the master. We turn to Membeis and Membeis, page 42b. And half of the money goes to the to his inheritors. Amai, the says, why is that? Here too, why don't we say that that if he, if it got ha- if it happened on the day that uh, that he was working for his master, so the money should go to his master. If it happened on the day that he was working for himself, the money should go to to his inheritors, completely. The says, no, shani karna. It's different over here because in a case where you're just causing some kind of damage and the guy still remains, he's still alive, so then you can give that damaged money to the person who, who he was working for on that day. But when the karen, the, the property itself, we can give a marshal, let's, let's just compare it to a case where you have some kind of uh, you have some kind of property that a person's living off the interest or money that's in the bank and you're living off the interest. So if if someone damages the interest, so then you have to then you can talk about splitting, going from one master or the the other or himself, depending on which day. When you're talking about the Karen, the Karen is the thing itself, is the principal. So he's the principal. And and when he's gone, so so we're talking about cashing in on the goods. So when you're cashing in on the goods, so that's when you it doesn't go by which day it happened to happen on, but rather it's split up completely. What's the case? What is a case where you don't completely use up the principle, so to speak? You know, let's say the, the the ox gored some kind of arm. So then it shouldn't matter which day it happened on. So what's the case? So he said that the case is where it didn't actually do any damage to his body that's irreparable, but rather with some kind of thing that's going to be cured within a few days or within, let's say, 24 hours. So it depends on which day it happened. So therefore, if it happened on the day of his marriage, Master, he's working for his master, the money goes to the master. If not, then it goes to him. It's good according to Abaye, the Amar Noisin, Loy Sheves, Kidoy, Loy Sheves, Kitana.
According to Abaye, so you give both the greater Shevis and the lesser Shevis. What's that? So Rashi explains that there are two possible things. There are two possible ways of looking at the damage when someone's hand, let's say, gets knocked off. And he can no longer be that diamond cutter. Now all he can be, the best he can be, and right now he's too sick to even be that, is to be a Shomer Kishum, someone who watches cabbages. So someone who watches cabbages doesn't really need the use of his hand. So this guy just lost his hand. He used to be a diamond cutter. He used to be worth, he used to make $1,000 a day. And now all he can make is $10 a day. So the question is like this. So, do you have to pay him for his loss every single day of his work or not? So, according to Abaye, well, the first thing that you do is you pay him for the loss of his hand. How do we evaluate that? According to Abaye, it's called Shev's Gedaila, which is the nezek, the damage. The damage that you cause, if you would sell him as a slave, what's he worth with the hand and what's he worth without the hand? That's the value. That's how we evaluate the loss of his hand. And then the second thing that we pay, that he has to get paid for is the fact that right now he can't even be a Shomer Kishum. He can't even watch cabbage plants. That's uh, that's what you have to pay him for. Secondly, so that he doesn't get the full amount of his thousand dollars a day that he would have gotten had he been this diamond cutter. But rather, all he gets is the ten dollars a day. And as far as the value of his hand that he lost, so he gets that separately the value that he went down if he would have been sold as a slave. So now, according to Abai, that says that you get paid for nezek, the damage caused, which is the hand, the loss of the hand, as if he was a slave, and you get paid for the the loss of work only as a shomer kishum. So according to him, we understand everything. Because according to him, so in this case lines up where, where someone, let's say, causes damage to another person, two people, right? One person causes damage to another person. So that case lines up with the case of a shore, because in the case of a shore, of an ox goring, so all you have is nezek, all you have is damage, because an ox never pays when a shore, when an ox gores, so the owner never has to pay the loss of work. All he has to pay is the nezek. So in that case, Abaye over there says that indeed you have to pay for nezek in such a case where he lost his hand. So Soto over here, according to Abaye, we understand why you would have to pay for the loss of his hand, because that's called nezek. However, according to Rava, so what do you give him? You give him the loss of his work. What that means is if he was a diamond cutter, according to Rava, then you have to pay him for $1,000 a day that he lost. And then when he gets back to work, so you have to pay him the difference between what he would have been making as a diamond cutter and what he makes now as a person who's watching cabbages. So according to Rava, so we have a problem because according to Rava, so you'd never actually pay for the damage to the hand, but rather there's an ongoing payment that you have to give. So the Gemara says, Hi Shoru, according to Rava, so it's problematic because when it comes to a shore, an ox, all you pay is the damages. And here, so according to Rava, you wouldn't have to pay the damages because you're going to be paying an ongoing thing theoretically if it had been one person going another person. So how do you explain this? So Ibai Seima, so one answer is Kesheko Adam, that indeed the case is talking about where one man, it's not talking about an ox going an ox, a, an ox going a person, I'm sorry, but rather it's talking about a man damaging another man. And that's why, depending on the day it is, you're going to have to pay each day something else. Ibai Seima, another explanation, Ema Memrahu, Umemra Lerava Le it's different over here because this is not actually a brisa, but rather it's a statement of Amoraim, and therefore Rava doesn't have to per se go like this statement of an Amora. Ibaila, who will ask you a question, if someone needs to get some kind of get shechur, some kind of document freeing him, why? Because the master said that I'm going to be mafker him, I'm going to say that he's ownerless, I'm going to be makdish him, I'm going to say that he's holy. So in those cases, so we, we, we said earlier that he goes out free in those cases, and he needs some kind of documents freeing him. So now, what happens? Yesh lo knas, so lo knas. If let's say the the eved, the slave gets damaged, and that money, does that money go to the master or not? Because theoretically, 
he's he's out of his possession. He doesn't have any monetary value of this slave anymore. But he just he still has to give him some kind of document freeing him. So does he get that? Does the money go to him? The money that's coming in to the slave. So kesef shleishim shkalim yitenadoinavamarachmana. So we could say this way: the the verse says that you have to give this money, the knas, to the master. And this is not considered his master. Or perhaps, or perhaps since the fact is that he hasn't received yet his document completely freeing him, but he's still considered his master in some respect. So that's the question. Let's bring you a proof. If somebody kills somebody who's half a slave and half free, so he has to give half of the money to his master and half the money to the Yarshim, to those that are his inheritors. My love, Commissioner Maybe this is talking about even after we said that he still has to free him. Meaning in the mission we had a case that Basil originally said that he doesn't have to give him any kind of document. And then at the end, so then the Basil said indeed you do have to give some kind of document. So maybe this is saying that even after Beis Hillel said that you have to give some kind of document. Still, nevertheless, we're talking about a guy who's half and half. Still, he gets the master doesn't get half of the money. And that would prove the fact that despite the fact that right now we can't use him as his slave, he has to free him. The rabbi said you have to free him. Nevertheless, he still gets money. So Gemara says, no, it's not true. It's not a good proof. Like Commissioner Rishana, it's talking about before. The reason that he gets any money is because it's talking about before the rabbis made the takana, that indeed he has to free him. Tashima. We have another bride. Let's say he knocked out his teeth or he bl- blinded his eye. Yetzibeshenai. I'm sorry, he did both things. He knocked out his tooth and he blinded his eye. So he goes out free with his tooth and he has to give him the value of his eye. So if you would say, if it would be true that if someone else would come along and, and knock out his eye, knock out his tooth, that there would be a fine and that fine would go to his master. So if someone else comes along and hits him, it's going to go to his master. So but if the master goes and he himself hits him, it's going to go to the slave. It doesn't make sense. It should go to himself. So Gemara says, no. Maybe this is going like the one who says that indeed he does not have to give any kind of document in this case. Meaning, when he knocks out his tooth, he goes out free. And in this case, there's not, it's not necessary to have any kind of document. Therefore, we understand why, in fact, it goes to the, it goes to the slave. Because he goes out free without any kind of document. He's not still attached in any way to his master. In all of these cases where his tooth was knocked out, he goes out free. So, according to Rabbi Shmuel, you need some kind of document to free him. Rabbi Meir says, no, in the Tzarek, he does not need any kind of document to free him. Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Lazar says, Tzarek, he does indeed need some kind of document. Rabbi Tarfan says, you don't. Rabbi Kiva, Amr Tzarek, Rabbi says, you do indeed some, need some kind of document. Those that were determining the halacha in front of the rabbis, they say like this, the words of Rabbi Tarfin, what did Rabbi Tarfin say? He said that you need, that you do not need them, sorry, some kind of document. So that makes sense in regards to a tooth and an eye. Since the Torah explicitly says that if his eye or his tooth gets knocked out, so he goes out free. So therefore you don't need any kind of document. But it would seem that Rabbi Kiva, who said that you do indeed need some kind of document, that that would make sense in regards to all other uh, body parts that he loses. If he loses, if he knocks off his hand, he knocks off his foot, whatever it is, so then he goes out free, but he needs some kind of document. Since it's some kind of fine from the rabbis, 
Now the Gemara asks, Knas, what do you mean it's a fine? We learn it out from verses. It's not true that it's some kind of knas. It's not a fine. But all of the body parts that get knocked off, you indeed do have to, he goes out free. It's for sure. It's not just actually the, the rabbis made it up or something. So the says, Since it's not explicit in the verses, but it's learned out by the rabbis from the verses, therefore it's not something that, that's going to just go out by itself, but you're going to need some kind of document. I'll ask you a different question. If someone is supposed to receive a get or some kind of document freeing him, but he hasn't yet received it. Does he, is he allowed to eat if he's, a, if he's the slave of a Kohen? Is he allowed to eat from Chuma or not? He asked that maybe the verse says that he has to belong to him, he has to be a monetary acquisition of his, and over here he's not a monetary acquisition, meaning he's totally been mafkar him, he's released him from his possession. Or maybe the fact that he still needs some kind of document to free him, it's still considered that he's under his jurisdiction, he's still owned by him, he's still owned by this Kohen, who's his master, Tashama. So we bring a proof like this. The Amr of Mesharsha says, If you had a woman who was a Bas Kohen, the daughter of a Kohen, and her child got mixed up with one of her slave woman's children, and it's not clear whose child is the Kohen and whose child is not the Kohen. So we say, In this case, both of them are able to eat truma. When it comes to splitting up the portion at the granary, so there Rashi explains that there's a concept that when it comes to some kind of slave getting any kind of grain at the granary, so the only way that he can get it is if his master is there along with him, because people might say that that slave is actually a Kohen. So here too, what we're going to say is that people will need to know that only one of them is actually a Kohen, one of them is not. So therefore they have to come there together and do it together. Now the Brasa continues, if these two people that were mixed up grew up, the Shachran says this, so they free each other. Because now one of them owns the other one, it's not clear who, so they each free each other. So what do we see in this case? We see that the case is a similar case of Ma'ukav get where they need to get some kind of document saying that they're they're freed. No one's gonna enslave this one of them, right? One of the one of the children. And nevertheless we see that he has the ability to get some kind of food. So it should be a good proof and indeed if there is some kind of evidence, some slave who is waiting for his uh, document, but he's completely freed in every sense except for that, so he would still be able to get food, he'd still be able to get truma. What kind of comparison is that? And so far as if Elijah would come along and they would ask him which one of these is the actual slave, so he would be able to tell us. So as far as heaven is concerned, heaven knows exactly which one is considered the slave. So therefore, there is the fact that he is called Kinyan Kaspa, which means that he is belonging to him. The slave, whoever it is, belongs to his master. So hachalav Kinyan Kaspa, huklal. But here he doesn't belong to him. He's not owned by him. There's no monetary value that he has at all. We'll continue from here in the next daily daf.